This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Let's just pray. Father, I just commit this message into your hands and I pray, Father, that you touch my mouth as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask two main questions tonight. And uh, the first question is, what are you waiting for? So I want you to just turn to your neighbor and ask your, your neighbor, your friend next to you, what are you waiting for? They say, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, hey, so I've got to do as fast to see us. Turn to your neighbor. What are you waiting for? I want to talk a little bit about purpose and God's call upon your life, God's dream for your life and, and the dreams that you have. All of us, who of you have got a dream? Anybody got a dream? Those with a dream, do you have a plan to make that dream come true? Who of you have got a plan to make the dream come true? Okay, those who've got a plan, do you have a timeline? Okay. Well, then for the rest of you, my question is, what are you waiting for? A lot of us all over the world, myself including in, at times, are waiting for something to happen that's not going to happen if we don't make it happen. None of your dreams will come true if you don't make it come true, if you don't plan for it, if you don't schedule your calendar accordingly, if you, if you don't set your, folks, your face towards it. And a lot of us are waiting upon other people. We are waiting for circumstances to change. We're waiting for money to come. Who of you have said to yourself, well, I'll do this and this and this one day when I have money? Anybody have thought that? Yeah? And has that one day come? Well, guess what? It's not going to come. Because money follows the vision. As you, as you move, whatever you need will come. Sometimes we delay because there are obstacles. There, there are circumstantial obstacles that we can't overcome. Well, then we've got to shift the mountains and speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus and say, be moved or find a way over or around or even through that mountain. Um, but when it comes to the purposes of God, there's this tension that sometimes we're waiting, we're waiting for the angel to strike us. We're waiting for somebody to give us a prophetic word. We're waiting for, for some, some, some spiritual leader, a cell leader or a pastor or some anointed prophet to come and say, you now go and do what God has called you to do. Uh, here's the microphone, come and preach for us tonight. No, you can preach in the hostel. You can preach at work. You can, you can start where you are with what you have. You don't need to get a microphone to be on a platform, to be on a stage. I preached my first message at the age of 16 in a, in a, in a, in a Dutch Reformed church uh, because I went on a mission trip and then the, the Dominic said, come and preach to the church because he saw what was happening there. But before that, I started preaching to my friends during break time, first break, second break, first break, second break, every day. I was preaching at the age of 16, not waiting for the one day, not waiting for somebody to tap me over the head. And who of you's don't answer, but just think to yourself, are waiting for permission. Somewhere, somehow, somebody's permission or acknowledgement or commissioning. Well, I want to say to you, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting for someone else? When 
when Moses came to the Red Sea with the Israelites, and, and the, the, the Egyptian army was coming from behind, he was in a panic, and he said, God, help us, and you know, why have you brought us to this place? It's a deadlock, you know, there's no other way of escape. You led us, we followed your cloud, and, and he was panicky, and God was angry with Moses. Why? Because he said to Moses, you've got the stick in your hand. You know that it can turn into a snake and all sorts of things. You've seen the ten plagues. You've seen my power. You've seen, in ten times you've seen these plagues. Why is it that you have the power that I've given you and then you can't stand here and complain to me? Use what I've given you and do... You sh God was expecting Moses to open that Red Sea by himself. In the name of God. By the power of God instead of waiting for something. And God was angry at Moses. And so we, we can wait our lives away. For one day, someday, something is going to happen. Or we can start working to make it happen. So keep that thought in mind. So let's get to some scriptures. Um, Philippians 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Jeremiah 1 verse 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was 16 at the time when he received this, this word. Now, so God speaks to Jeremiah and he says to him, listen, before I formed you in your mother's womb, in other words, before your mom and dad even looked at each other, I needed a prophet. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a prophet. And, and when so-and-so meets each other and the, the two seeds come together, I'm going to blow my spirit into that seed and I'm going to create a prophet of, out of that seed. And, and so I formed you, Jeremiah, in your mother's womb and I built into you everything you're going to need and all the gifts and the talents and the abilities to be the prophet that I need. And it's not so much that God is a needy God, it's that God is a dreamer who loves to do things and who wants to do things. And so each one of us in, on this planet, no matter how you were conceived, even if it came through a rape or outside of wedlock, it doesn't matter. When the two seeds come together, male and female, and a new new, new life is formed, God blows his spirit into that being because this your DNA comes from your mommy and your daddy, but where does your soul and your spirit come from? It doesn't come from your mom and your dad. Your soul and your spirit comes from God. He's right there. He doesn't stand in the corner. He's right there. And he, he forms you and he shapes you to build into you whatever it is that you need. And inside of us is this seed of destiny the seed of purpose that, that's, that's crying out to explode, to, to I want to I wanna do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a nurse, I'm going to be an engineer, I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be an evangelist, I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to be uh, whatever it is that God has called you to be or made you to be because your purpose in your life is not necessarily tied to a career, by the way. It's not necessarily only tied to a, a service or a ministry function in church. We'll, we'll get more into that a little bit later. But, but there are things that God has put inside of you, seeds, multiple seeds, not just one, many seeds that God wants to, to come out of you, but, but we are holding it up because we're waiting for something. And my word of encouragement to you tonight is stop waiting. 
Stop waiting for something, but discover what is inside of you, what God has put there, because that is what Philippians 2.12 says. It says that God has put the will and desire in you to do His will. So the will and the desires that is inside of you has been placed there by God to do His will. Your passion, the things you love, the things you're great at, the things that's just magic for you, God placed that there for a reason. Those are clues as to what God's purpose is for your life. Now, tonight I'm not going to preach about how to find your purpose. That's a message on its own. So I really want to encourage you during the start of this year, pray and say, God, what is your purpose for my life? And grab hold of it with all, both of your hands and say, God, with all my strength and with all my heart, I'm going to pursue you first and secondly, my purpose. Because the purpose is not the first thing we must pursue. It is God that we must pursue first. And as we pursue Him, we will find our purpose along the way. So this is what makes us different to animals. Um, just the previous two slides, is a slide of a cow and a, and a monkey. So, I mean, have you ever seen a cow wake up and saying, what is my purpose in life? I mean, when, when the cow is show, chewing that grass over and over again, do you think they're thinking about purpose and a, my higher destiny in life? Or the monkeys, when they scratch for fleas, with each other, do they think of a higher purpose? I don't think they do. I think the cow wakes up, they eat grass, they poo, they drink water, they have milk, and, and then one day they die, and that's it. But we as humans, we have a purpose and a sense of purpose, and God wants us to explore that to the fullest extent. So, God has a dream for you, and it's up to you whether you're going to be in sync with God's dream for your life whether you're going to be in step with it, whether you're going to pursue it or not. And, and, and you don't have to. You don't have to pursue God. There are, there are millions of people, billions of people who don't even believe in God, that, that they don't care about God's purpose for their lives. There are many Christians who, who follow God, they love God, but they don't really follow God's specific will for their lives. So some of us have discovered along the journey what is God's gift and calling upon our lives. And some of us have pursued it aggressively and others not. And some of us have, 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 in fact, I would dare say all of us, have missed opportunities where you know you should have done something, but you didn't do it for whatever reason. Anybody like that? Me included. I'm, I'm the first one to raise my hand. I've missed opportunities. I've missed things. I've wasted years and times, months, sometimes years, where well, I should have done this or that and I've been busy with other things. Well, in, in special moments, I missed. And the truth is we're not going to get those back. But we have two scriptures of encouragement. The first is Romans 11 verse 29, which says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Hallelujah. So that which is God has built inside of you cannot change. It's irrevocable. The gifts, the talents, the calling, the purpose, those seeds of destiny is, is indestructible. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be undone by any kind of sin, by any kind of disobedience, by any kind of thing that you've missed. It is indestructible. Every one of those seeds is still there. Maybe Maybe none of, not all of it has been used. Maybe, maybe only 5% of it has been used, but it's still there. And I want to say to you tonight, it's not too late. I know a lot of faces before me are young faces, but I, want to, I hope you remember this in days when you're older. Because as, as we grow older, we have regrets. We think more about the opportunities we've missed. 
And then we, we look at a scripture like, like Joel chapter 2, verse 25. It says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent amongst you. So many people just look at that first scripture and says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. And so, you know, if you've maybe had a time of disobedience and you've lost one year or two years or 20 years, then God's going to restore those years. But if you read the rest of the scripture, it doesn't quite say that. The scripture actually talks about blessing and cursing and, and obedience. When they were disobedient, God withheld his blessing from them, and then they suffered famine and droughts, and they lost crops and so forth. And, and then when they, when they returned to God through repentance and, 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 and followed him wholeheartedly again, then his blessing returned. It's not like he, he, he destroyed them, it's just his blessing was absent, and then it came back. So when he says, I will restore to you, he's actually saying, I'm not going to restore time because time is gone. If you missed your, your daughter's birth, You've missed it. If you've missed the school concert, you've missed it. You can watch it on DVD, but if you've missed it, you missed it. There's opportunities that you cannot get back. But God says, I can restore my blessing to you. I can restore my favor to you, and I can bless the time that you have left with the seeds that are still inside of you. Now, I take great courage with that because last year I received personally, received prophetic words where somebody said to me, Anton, I see you with your family at a wimpy pit stop, you know, next to the road, one of these Shell Ultra Cities on the way, holiday. They saw a vision of me and the family, prophetic vision. And we were having this pit stop and then suddenly God opened a map before me and God said, Anton, all the roads that you, that you wanted to travel, always wanted to travel, is still open. Wow, what an encouragement. And I want to say the same thing to you. All the opportunities and blessings are still there for you. Just grab hold of it. And know that the gifts and calling of God is irrevocable. It is without repentance. Okay. So go and grab hold of what you want to do. But I also want to say at the same time, be respectful. When I say don't let anything stop you, I don't mean be disrespectful to those who are in authority. Whether it be your boss or spiritual leaders in church um, still submit to leadership still say guys I prayerfully feel this is what God has led me to do but what do you say and get confirmation from brothers and sisters and and follow the prophetic voice of God through and test it the Bible says test every prophetic word eh? why does the Bible say that because we all make mistakes including me test it be submissive be humble be respectful but by all means grab hold of what God has for you um so many times I've waited that I shouldn't have waited, but I should have just gone. Okay, so sometimes there's a delay between the promise that God has and the fulfillment when it happens. So if you look at the life of Joseph and David, there are many other lives I can use, but, but let's take those two. Both of them received the word of the Lord for their lives at the age of 16. By the way, when you start a journey, the most important directions are the first ones. Would you agree with me? If I ask you, how do I get to Johannesburg, when I get to the N1, do I turn left or do I turn right? If I turn left, will I get to Joburg? No, it's going to take a long time. <laughs> so I've got to turn right. And eventually, as I get up to closer to Joburg, the GPS will say, now turn left, now turn right. But, but the, the most important directions are early in life, and in your spiritual walk, you would probably have received your most significant words 
early in life. And I want to say to all those who have received word from God at a young age, hold on to that. Do not let anyone despise your youth. Do not let anyone despise the prophetic word that has been spoken over you because the most important ones come at the beginning. Hold on to it. Go think back on those things. But, but so David and Joseph heard it. But for David, it, he, he heard the word. He was anointed at 16, but he became king at 30. That's 14 years gap. The same with Joseph. A 14 years gap from when the, he had the dream until the time when he stood next to Pharaoh as the second most powerful man in the world. 14 years gap. But, but, so, so we have this dichotomy or, or this, this challenge. We, we, we've got to go forward, but, but yet there's this delay. As I travel through Africa, there's a, there's a saying um, I often hear. It says, hurry up and wait. Anybody been on a mission trip? No, that's that, 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 that motto, <laughs> hurry up and wait. They say this, the service starts at 10 o'clock, you get there at 9 o'clock, and everybody arrives at 12. Or there's logistical challenges. The bridge is down. The road is not working. There's no electricity. Uh, the water has been cut. There's, there's, in Africa, there are a lot of challenges. There's, there's structural challenges. There's um, cultural challenges. There, there, there's, there's all kinds of challenges. And then you have this hurry up and wait dynamic. And, and, and it's sort of, it can be very frustrating if you don't understand how to handle it. So here's my tip to you. If you're going to go on a mission trip, just listen to this. The hurry up part means that's your part. Whenever you can hurry up, hurry up. Be on time. Be where you need to be. And the wait part is where you wait for others. You do what they must be doing. The, the waiting part is, 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 is where it's beyond your control. When you're standing at the, at the border gate and there's like 50 cars in front of you, there's nothing you can do about it. You hurried to get there. That was your part. The waiting part, there's nothing you can do about it. And, and so not only as you're traveling through Africa, but in life and in pursuing your calling and the purposes of God, the same principle applies many times. There's a hurry up and wait, where you've got to hurry up and do what God has called you to do, and then sometimes you're going to wait either for God or you're going to wait on people. And it's going to be circumstances outside of your control. But what is your responsibility? What is my responsibility? It is to do what we can do within the abilities that we have and the resources at our availability. Instead of waiting for somebody else forever, do what you can do. So let me share with you a little bit of testimony and the reason why I showed you that in Power 21 video clip. Um, in 1995, I was a second-year university student. I was in Ace Fisher Hostel. Anybody from Ace Fisher? Hallelujah. Blessed place that. The Spirit of the Lord is there and on every other place. Amen? In, in, in Stellenbosch. So... We had a, a bit of a revival in, in, in Hayes Fisser, uh, story for another day. But I, I was sitting praying for a few days, and, and I had this awareness. I won't say it's a, as a word or a dream, but an awareness of God putting a dream inside of my heart. And God is saying to me, Anton, I'm going to establish a spirit-filled, interdenominational, global network and, and God showed me five specific legs of this movement that he's going to do. The apostolic leg, an evangelism leg, a, a humanitarian aid leg, a Christian business leg, and an admin communication leg. And so for three days, I, I wrote down whatever God showed me. 
of this massive thing. And God said, Anton, I'm going to establish a spiritual church in every city and town and village in the world. And I was shuddering and shaking by the magnitude of what God was saying to me. And so I kept it quiet for a while, and then God said to me, Anton, I want you to know that you are going to play a part in this, but you are going to be a drop in the bucket. And so far, it's going to be a drop in the bucket too. Because what I'm going to do is going to be bigger than any individual or any ministry. And it's a sovereign work that I'm going to be doing, but you've got the privilege of being part of it. And you know, like a catalyst, sometimes you need a little drop, but it makes a big difference, amen? And so shofar can be a little drop, but make a big difference. In, in, in October 2013, Pastor Fred, uh, representing shofar, was one of four church leaders that had to decide whether they're going to continue with the vision of Empower 21 in Africa or let it die because everyone else faded. And the four churches who eventually then became the founding churches in Africa for Empower 21 one had 30,000 churches, the other one 5,000, the other one 8,000, and we had 50. But yet our little drop was there as one of the four founding churches for Empower 21 Africa. So for many years, I'm just sharing with you one vision that the Lord's, one of the seeds God has placed in my life, there's other seeds too. So I had this seed about, about this, this thing that's going to happen, and, and I became a pastor in Franschuk and a congregation of about 100, 120 people. I said, God, how's this thing going to happen? Then we went to Potchefstroom, and there the church grew from 60 to 700. And I said, God, God where's this thing? How's this thing going to happen? And I, I don't know where and how this is all going to come to pass, and, and what do I need to do to make this happen? So... So what do you do during the waiting time? What do you do during this, this time of flux between the time of, of the word and the time of the fulfillment? Here's what you do. You do whatever you can, whatever your hand finds to do within the gifts that you have, within the calling and purpose that God has for you. Do what you can do on whatever scale you can. In other words, if, if you want to talk about a global network, well, then talk to your neighbors in town. So I was in France. We had a little church of 60 people at the time, in fact, 27, 37. But then I, I went to speak to all the ministers in town, 10 churches. We formed a new ministers fraternal, and great things, awesome things happened in, in France. We invited Angus just after his book came out, filled the town hall, and there was a revival in the place that happened. But I, so, so I could have sat there in Franschuk and waited for this big, massive thing to somehow magically appear out of the sky, or I could call the, the Duomini and the Methodist minister, the reverend, and say, come on, let's talk about God's, God's purpose for us in our town. I could, could, could start with, with the people around me, with the leaders that I have in contact with. And so I can tell you many stories of of connecting with other people and so eventually uh, you know we went to Potchefstroom then to Standerton to plant another shofar church and in 2013 Pastor Fred called me and he said Anton I'd like for you to come down to Stellenbosch to the head office and oversee the shofar network and so that was sort of a, a first step and suddenly uh, shofar network are those churches that are not shofar in name but they're independent and we send mission teams to them but they we have a long-term relationship with them and there's almost a thousand of them now and so what did I do? I, I went to visit the guys in Zimbabwe and in Zambia and, and went from place to place and with an attitude of serving in humility. 
How can I help you? What can I do for you? What are the needs this place? How can we impart, impart an impact? Not coming there on a high horse and saying, well, we've got everything together and now we're going to change the world. And if you do it like we say, well, then you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. No. Coming with a servant heart, doing what you can do in an attitude of love and humility, doing what you can do. And one church became 10, became 60, became 100, became 1,000. Pastor Everest was a network pastor at, to begin with. Now there are 8,000 Shofar members who became part of Shofar as a result of that, just by starting with one little small thing. So in 2014, I, Pastor Fred said to me, Anton, I'd like for you to come with me to the, the African cabinet meeting um, in Ghana uh, just to experience what it's all about. Now he was the, the, the cabinet member, so I was the suitcase carrier. And so I carried the suitcase, and he packed a whole bag full of Willie's chocolates and whatever, because his stomach doesn't work with, with some of the food. <laughs> so I literally carried that bag with, full of chocolates and Willie's cookies and whatnot. And so the morning of, of, of the, the cabinet meeting, it was going to be three days, that they said to us, I woke up that morning, and, and the Lord said to me, Anton, today your life's going to change. I said, okay, God, I'm ready whatever you want to do. And so I joined the meeting. It was going to be three days. They said it's going to be one day. Uh, I shared for five minutes about a conversation I had with somebody. And that, that five minutes was my contribution to the meeting as the suitcase carrier. At the end of the meeting, they, 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 they um, established, fulfilled, fulfilled new positions. They got a new co-chairman, got a new secretary. And then somebody said, listen, this task is so big, we need an assistant secretary to help the, the secretary on the executive of the cabinet. And they nominated a guy by the name of Tony. And so they spoke about Tony backwards and forwards. And after about a minute, I figured, but that's me, Anton Anthony Tony. And, uh, and so long story short, I became the assistant secretary of Empower 21 Africa. And I serve on the African executive with those leaders who lead tens of thousands of churches. And so, 20 years later, what the Lord showed to me in his first set of hostel has come to pass in the blink of an eye. It was impossible for me to create that moment. I could not invite myself. I could not. No other of the 14 global cabinets has got an assistant secretary. It's the only one. I could not nominate myself. If I could not make that happen, but what I could do is do what, be faithful with what God has called me here and now. Within the abilities that I have and the spectrum that I have, do what you can do. And God in his time will do what he will do. Hallelujah. There's so much more I can tell you about that story, but just saying things are growing from strength to strength. And you will see great things come to pass in your life if you're faithful in the little things. If you are obedient in the little things. I want to tell you, obedience is better than sacrifice, the scripture says. Doesn't matter about all of your big sacrifices. There's so many sacrifices you can make in church. But it might not be what God has called you to do. Okay. So, now comes my next question. First question was, what are you waiting for? Next question is, in what will you find purpose? Because some of you are saying, okay, I want to do something, but I don't know what. What is my purpose? And again, I'm not going to give you a whole 
teaching tonight on finding your purpose, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. And I want to say to you, maybe the simple answer is just ask God. Repeatedly and repeatedly and seek his face. He says, seek me and you will find me. I discovered the purpose of God upon my life long before I heard the seven steps of finding your purpose from Rick Godwin. Those seven steps are great, and I'll preach it to you one day. Uh, but the fact is, God showed himself to me in supernatural revelations because I earnestly desired to know him personally, to know his will for my life, and say, God, I will do whatever, whenever, wherever for Jesus. WWW, not World Wide Web, not World Wide Wrestling, whatever, whenever, wherever for Jesus. Every time you type that in, just say, whatever, whenever, wherever for Jesus, dot whatever. Okay. 1 Samuel 17, verse 28. I'm going to go a little bit faster. I'm going to go a little bit over time because I'm, I feel it's important to share with you. Now, Eliab, this is now where, where, where Goliath was taunting the, the Israelites, uh, and everybody's afraid for 40 days. Nobody wanted to fight him. Now, Eliab, his older brother, heard what he spoke to the men, and Eliab's, this is now David speaking, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the word which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight this Palestine. Now, I want to say to you that many times that your own closest brothers and sisters, your family members, your cell group members, people close to you would say to you, why do you think you can do this thing? And, and sometimes the biggest reason why we are waiting for something is because of opposition from people close to us. And again, I'm not preaching rebellion here tonight. Be submissive, ask leaders, get other people to speak into your life, be transparent, etc. But I want to say to you that, 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 that there will be opposition. There will be voices against us, and sometimes the most powerful voices are those closest to us. When, when, when the 12 spies went out uh, into the promised land, those were not 12 cowards that went in. Did you know that? Sometimes we think it was 12 cowards that went. Those 12 men that went were the mightiest warriors of their tribe. If you're going to conquer a new promised land, you send your biggest, strongest, mighty man guy to represent your tribe so that he can sort of also spot a nice place for your tribe, by the way. You know, look, you know. Deps ex erste. That's why they wanted the, the, the guys there. But, so in other words, these guys were connected. They were family. They were one. But, but ten said no and two said yes. It will happen. But whose voice are you going to listen to? There's that song we used to sing. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. You know that one, James? Oi. Okay. <laughs> Shows you I'm getting older. Anyhow, so David says to, 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 to Saul, he says to him, listen. He's, first he says to his brothers, he says, man, listen, you're talking against me, but hey, is there not a cause? Is there not something worth dying for? We can bicker about who's the oldest and who's the youngest and the little sheepies out there in the felt. Man, let them all die. 
There's a cause greater than the sheep and the felt. There's a cause greater than the bickering about who's the oldest brother. There's a cause greater than who's favored and who's not favored. He's saying, man, there's a higher purpose. There's a greater call. Let us put whatever differences we have aside. Let us put the back bickering aside and let us fight for the cause. And so I want to say to you that the people who move forward in the kingdom of God are those who know the cause and say, I will take the flag, I will carry it, even if nobody else does, but I will walk with the flag of God. For there is a cause that no man can take away from me. Sometimes we, we have these, these magnificent speeches, especially on the battlefield. Now, most of you are too... Young, probably, for the movie Braveheart, but maybe you've seen it on DVD or somewhere. Anybody familiar with Braveheart? Okay, half of you. But there's a scene in Braveheart where he's got this blue painted face, and some of the, the army is deserted, and he's coming in there with his horse. And it's quite a spectacular scene, you know, when the horse is all ready to go, and, and he's like. And, and then he makes his speech on the horse and he's riding up and down and he, and he says to the guys, you know, you know, one day many years from now you will lay in your bed as an old man and then you will think of this day that maybe you would get one chance, one chance to come back here and to tell your enemies you can take our lands, you can take our lives, but you can never take our freedom. <laughs> I was sparing the mic, otherwise I would have been a bit louder. Because there was a cause. What is the cause that you are living for? What are you fighting for? What are you living for? Without purpose, we lose motivation. The corporate world has discovered this. I'm not going to go into this. We don't have time for it. But countries and corporations have discovered that people are a hundred times more effective, or multiple times more effective when they work for a purpose, for a cause. As a country, they would speak to the soldiers and train the soldiers to, to fight for the cause of the country and lay down your life. In, in South Africa, the old South Africa, the, the anthem used to, to be, you know, end of, We will live, we will die for you, South Africa. Now it's changed the wording. But we will live and die. In other words, we were singing and being indoctrinated in every school, every Friday we would sing that song and say, I will die for this country the cause of this nation. Corporations like Apple and Google have, have discovered that people don't want to live for a paycheck anymore. They want to live for something higher. Listen to what uh, Forbes magazine writes. In the book Corporate Culture and Performance, John Cotter and James Heskett show that over a decade-long period, purposeful value-driven companies outperform their counterparts in stock price by a factor of 12. Not 12%, 12 times. In the absence of purpose, a company's leadership is likely to have greater difficulty in motivating employees and putting the company on the course of success. 
Customers are likely to have difficulty connecting with a company with purpose. A company can create positive value that is far greater than the sum of its parts. Giving your young employees a purpose will enable them to envision a future with your company. Listen to the guys at Apple. The phrase that trainees hear time and again, which echoes once they arrive at the stores, is enriching people's lives. The idea is to instill in employees the notion that they are doing something far grander than just selling or fixing products. If there is a secret to Apple's source, this is it. The company ennobles employees. It understands that a lot of people will forego money if they have a sense of higher purpose. The world has figured it out, but the church is not quite catching on yet. Catch on tonight. Find your purpose. Stop waiting. So there are different kinds of purposes that we may choose to focus on. What are you going to choose to focus on? I'll run through them briefly, and then I want to get to the, the last ones at the end, which is important. But listen, please stay with me tonight. Okay, so the first kind of purpose that, that we could pursue and should pursue is survival. Okay, we all need to survive. What does that mean? You need food, you need a house, a shelter, uh, transport, and clothes. Amen? We all need clothes. So that's part of your purpose. You need to find those things. It's part of survival. You need to have a, those things. Then the second purpose or kind of purpose that you must and should pursue or could pursue is social purpose. In other words, all of us want to have a sense of belonging and, and, and we find purpose in our belonging. Um, now, tomorrow, our son is going to Paul Ruiz for the first time and so he's going to be inducted there. And... Um, and he's going to get some kind of a sense of purpose. They're going to tell him, this is the best. Have you noticed that every matric class is always the best? Have you noticed? Have you noticed that every first year's group is always the best? They're just getting better and better and better every year. It never stops. And every hostel in, in Salabash is the best. Have you noticed that also? Every one of them is the best. There's more than 20, but they're all the best. Because you have the sense of belonging. I'm in Mayuba. Mayu, Mayu, Mayuba. Heis, heis, fesser. And so you ha we're looking for that. And that's why people trade all kinds of things and even enter into sin for the sake of acceptance, sexual sins or whatever for, for that. But, so we need a biological family. We need parenting. We need siblings. But listen to 1 John 2 verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, there's another purpose that you can pursue, and that is the lustful purposes. The lust of the flesh, sex and food. Lust of the eyes, material things, pride of life, fame and power. I want to be in Hollywood. I want to be famous. I want to be a politician. I want to be, have money and power and these things. These are things you can pursue. And at university and in this town, even those, not even, especially those who are working as well, are pursuing money and power. Worldly things, carnal things. So when you study, 
when you choose your career path, when you choose the job that you're doing, when you choose where you're staying, when you choose your friends, a lot of the times it's with this purpose in mind. Which friend is going to take me to the powerful place that I want to be? Which friends are going to make me famous and who's going to pull me down? Who's going to give me more Facebook likes? That's not what we need to be pursuing. God says don't pursue that purpose. So there's a fourth kind of purpose, and that is the higher purposes. Something greater. Some people work for an NGO, for a humanitarian cause, because they've, they've found a higher purpose. They want to save the planet. They want to save orphans. They want to save different things. They want to feed hungry people. Or a teacher at school says, I could be an engineer and earn three times as much, but that's not my calling. That's not what I want to do. I want to, I want to serve children. I want to see children grow up to be all they can be. There's a higher purpose in the teaching business. Or healing people as a doctor or a nurse. You say, I, 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 I've got a higher purpose in this. It's not just the money. I, I want to be a nurse, not a doctor, because it's not about the money. It's about helping the people. Serving people as of your country as a civil servant. Now, let me pause there for one second. Civil servants in countries are meant to be there for the blessing of the people. Amen? Not for self-promotion, not for career promotion, not for self-seeking interests. And all over the world, we find people are mostly interested in their next job opportunity or their next promotion as opposed to serving people. So for those of you thinking of those lines, remember, we are servants of the Most High God. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And then, people find higher purposes in the religions, not only Christianity, but in other religions too. So let me come to the highest purpose of all, and that is the purposes we find in the kingdom of God. And again, there are three kinds. I'll get to the highest at the third one. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. And Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay. So in other words, the first kind of calling that we find in the kingdom of God is ministry. And in this, we have different categories. We have those who are being called to the fivefold ministry. And the Bible says some will be called, okay? To be an apostle, a prophet, a, thought, a pastor, a teacher, and an evangelist. So not everybody's going to have this title of pastor. Not everybody's going to have the title of apostle. Only some will have the title. And with the title, it's not about the title. It's about the office. It's about the function that you need to fulfill. What is the function? What is the job of the pastor, the evangelist, and the fivefold ministry? It is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Who are the saints? Anybody a saint in this house? If you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, you're a saint. Any saints in the house? Okay. So we all, who must do the work of the ministry? The saints. The pastor? The evangelist? No? No, no, no. Our job is to get you to do it. You must do the work of the ministry. What is, what is the work of the ministry? Again, what I'm preaching to you now is a message on its own. But let me give it to you quickly in, in two minutes. The work of the ministry is testifying, sharing your testimony, preaching, 
teaching, and teaching can happen in, in, in our lunch break at work. Okay? It can happen anywhere in the world. It can happen on a plane. It can happen on a bus. It can happen on a taxi. Teaching. It's praying for the sick. It's casting out demons. It's, it's moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, laying them out. Word of prophecy, word of encouragement, uh, word of um, knowledge, etc. All of those things, um, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captives free. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. All of that is the work of the ministry. And, and, and that is called for every single one of you sitting here. Say to your neighbor, I am called to the ministry. All of it. When Jesus handed over the baton and he gave us the Holy Spirit as our leader and guider here on earth, everything that's in Luke 4, 18, I've been anointed to preach the good news to the poor, uh, healing the brokenhearted, healing setting the captives free, all of that has been transferred to you and to me. All of Jesus' ministry has been transferred to you and to me. Jesus said, those who believe in me will do the same things as I've done and even greater things. Is there anybody in this place that believes? Anybody? That means you and I need to do what Jesus did and more. Say, and more. All of us. We are called to the ministry. So, and all of it, wherever you are. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it says that the Holy Spirit gives to those as He wills. Well, it's not only as He wills. You know, I used to think it's only one or two, or maybe three of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I have. But I had all nine when I was at university. Why? Because it's, it's when it's needed. If nobody's sick, you're not going to have the gift of healing. If nobody needs a word of prophecy, don't thumb suck something. But when it's there, God is going to look for the person with a signal on the antenna says, Lord, I'm ready, Lord, I'm ready. And then he will use you to do the work of the ministry. So that's number one. Uh, it is, it's those in office, but all of us are in ministry, secondly. Okay, then the spiritual family. Ephesians 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Hallelujah. Say with me, we are family. Amen. So in your family, do you take turns to wash the dishes? Do you have chores like picking up the dog poo? Putting out the trash, or does mom do everything? Huh? You see, we've had guests today and yesterday. You know, when the guest comes, they don't clean the kitchen before the time, they don't clean the house before the time, they don't mow the lawn before the time, they don't pick up the dog pool before the time. I did it with my boys, okay, and Christelle with the girls in the kitchen, and so we prepared the house. When, when the meal is finished, sometimes the guests would sort of take a plate or two to the kitchen, but they're not required to, amen? Most Afrikaans people would say, no, 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 just leave it like that. But then they take it anyway. Yeah, am I right? I think Afrikaans. And, and so my point is simply this. In the family, you have chores, you have duties, and you have responsibilities. Guests don't. So, so this scripture says that the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. 
which means if you don't supply anything, you are knit, not knit together, you're a visitor. You can be a visitor for 20 years every Sunday. You, you, you can come to cell group for 20 years, you can come to church twice a week, Sunday for 20 years and still be a visitor. Because you're not supplying. The, the, the body is joined into the eye must bring sight, the ear must bring hearing. What are you bringing? What are you doing? Are, are, are you somewhere involved? Are you helping on TDD? Are you an usher? Are you helping with the sound? Are you a musician? Are you, what, what are you doing? Are you in a cell group? And it doesn't need to be on a Sunday. It can be on a Wednesday. It can be at a camp. You can be a first-year camp facilitator. There are so many things that you can do, but do something to be part of this family, to, to make a contribution. Hallelujah. The reason why I want to dis- differentiate here is sometimes people think my duty is my calling. Let me tell you this. I was not born and placed on earth to wash the dishes. I was not born and placed on this earth to pick up dog poo. Anybody agree with me? But I do it because I look after my family and because I have self-respect and I want to eat out of a clean plate. And I don't want flies all over the place. And my family helps me because it's our house. It's our place. So in the same thing, sometimes your calling and purpose is connected to to your task or your responsibility or your duty uh, in church. If you look at somebody like James, there's a strong connection between what he's doing and his task in church. But James is not only leading worship. Sometimes he's helping to pack the chairs. Sometimes he's helping to away the sound and to set it up. James was not born on this earth to pack sound into a van. Amen. None of us were, but we all have to do these things. Hallelujah. To grow as a family. And we find a real purpose in it because if we don't do it, somewhere somebody's going to miss out. There's eternal purpose to this. I once explained to the youth in our church in Stanford, and they helped with it. They did the sound and everything on a Sunday. And there was one guy with a man in the camera that had the feet to the mother's room. I said to him, listen, do you understand that, that when you are too lazy to follow the preacher and he's walking out of the screen or the camera drops to the floor because you didn't hold it, a mother who does not know Christ might be a visitor that Sunday walking in to the mother's room and she would see that the camera's onto the screen. Whoever's manning that thing doesn't care about the people back in the mother's room and she might have a screaming child walk out there, not hear the message, not respond to the article, not turn her life to Christ, never come back to, to, to church and her eternal destiny was influenced because you didn't man the camera. Suddenly the youth wow, there's an eternal purpose to what I'm doing. And I want to say to you, when you're doing ushering, when you're doing coffee dinning, that greet at the door, there's an eternal purpose in every little duty that we do. Okay, enough of that. Last one. Ultimate purpose is to fulfill the commands of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. What are his commands? Mark chapter 12, 29. Jesus answered him, 
The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Amen? What is your purpose? To love God, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the ultimate purposes. We have many purposes. There are many seeds of destiny. But if we want to talk about the ultimate, this is where we begin. Love God, love your neighbor. Then, Matthew 28. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sorry, I'll, I skipped the other verses, but from verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is our second commandment. We've got to go. Not wait. Not wait for the conference and the posters and people to come to us. We've been called to be fishers of men. Now, I don't know who of you on the holiday tried to stand on the beach and throw posters and flyers into the beach and say, all fishies, all fishies, come to the beach. Or did anybody put a Facebook post and say, all fish, come to the beach. Now, if you want to have fish, you have to go to where they are. We must put up posters, we must put up flyers for an awareness. But people's lives don't get changed because of a poster. They get invited. Uh, lives get changed because somebody invited them and then they saw the poster. Oh yeah, I've seen that thing. Yes, I'll come with you. But life happens outside of this building. If you want fish, go get them where they are. Find them in the hostel. Find them at work. Find your neighbors. But the Bible says every one of us, every one of us, not the evangelist Reinhard Bonker, Everyone in this room is called to reach the lost and to teach them, which means to disciple them. You are a disciple maker that makes disciple makers, that makes disciple makers, that makes disciple makers. That's another sermon. And then finally, Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All your dreams, your desires, not all of it. Because if it's lustful things, if you're lusting for a Ferrari or a big fancy $5 billion yacht, that's not part of God's purpose. Okay? Nice house, yes. I'm not going to talk about that. Are you going to live for earthly things? Or are you going to live for God? Are you going to pursue purposes that are lustful? Or are you going to love God and love your neighbors and love yourself? Are you going to lead people to Christ and disciple them? Not wait for somebody at the office to phone them and to see them at coffee. If you invite them, you follow them up. Amen? You walk around with them. Find God's purpose for your life.
Jesus said, if you do these things, all the other things will be added. And I want to say to you that God is not inflexible. This might be a word for some of you. Some of us think that our dreams and our heart's desires clashes with God. I was pastoring the Franchi congregation and I was there for three years before I remembered something. At the age of 15, my dad, we lived in Randburg at the time, and our dad brought us to Stellenbosch for a holiday. We stayed in one of the hostels, ladies' reasons. Um, and, and then he, he showed us all the lovely places around and then took us to Franschuk to what was then called the Little Switzerland Hotel. And that's sort of where, in his time, if you really wanted to impress a girl, you take her to the Little Switzerland place for a coffee or a dinner or whatever. Um, beautiful place. And so we went there, and it was autumn, and we drove back, and the leaves were like brown and yellow and orange. Beautiful. Franschuk looked amazing. And I sat at the back of our station wagon looking out the window and I prayed a very silent quiet prayer and I said God this place is so beautiful if at all possible may I one day come here even if it's just for a short time that was my exact prayer but I forgot it completely until I was in Franschuk for three years already and I remember the prayer we were there for four years and so I can give you other examples God sent me to Franschuk because I asked him he said, okay, Arthur, there you go. <laughs> so many years later, that was my desire. There are many other desires. I'm an adventure man. Are there any other adventure people in this house? I became the church's first mission director. Man, did I have adventures. If you want to have an adventure, go on a mission trip. Yeah, so many stories, I can't tell you all of them. But it's, it's, I've had more adventure than I could have had ever without God. Just by pursuing the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.